Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about the fallout from the winter storms that battered us this week and the scandal that has embroiled a former hero of the Portland Fire Bureau. Plus, we're taking a look at rumors of owl attacks as we open up our listener mailbag. Joining me to break down the midweek news is our host, Claudia Meza. It's Wednesday, January 17th. I'm John Natariani, and this is what Portland's talking about. Claudia, thanks for joining me on the Midweek Roundup. Yeah, happy to be here. Before we get into the news, I wanted you to give me a sense of something good that's been going on in your life in the last little bit. Something you've been doing, something you've seen, something you've eaten. Um, What do you got, Claudia? I love this idea, by the way. It's like the hump day, like how to get over the week. We're here. We're in the middle of it. Uh, I know a lot of us need some good news right now. Um, Yeah. You know, I didn't lose power this weekend, and I just feel incredibly lucky. And that's one of the best things that's happened to me in my life, I think, so far. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. just it's been so cold. I can't imagine other people how they've been dealing with this. And so that's all I can think about is like, yay, I didn't lose power. Yeah, same, same. I also made it through the weekend without losing power as well, which... You know, talking to friends, seeing everything that's going on on the internet. There's a, and we're going to be talking about it more on the show. There's a lot of people who've uh, had like a much rougher time of it. So I feel super fortunate for that. Um, well, for me, this was not this past weekend because, of course, I was hiding under blankets from the cold. But the weekend before that, I uh, went down to the Jack London Review. And I actually caught a Portland Music Month show. I went and saw the Christopher Brown Quartet. And they were doing... Black Tie White Noise, which is like their David Bowie jazz cover thing. And they did a front to back jazz cover of the David Bowie album, Aladdin Sane. You know, we talked about Portland Music Month on the show and it was exactly that thing. It was so much fun just to like actually get out and see something in January and be in a club that was totally packed on a January night in Portland. Yeah, sounds awesome. Well, speaking of getting out or staying home, I mean, the big story this week obviously is the weather that we've been having. I mean, whew, it's been a crazy couple days with this winter storm that we just had. Uh, at one point, there were more than 200,000 locations without power between PGE and Pacific Power. Um, and They're saying that like some of these customers could be facing prolonged outages as well. Schools were closed, roads were closed, you know, and we're taping on Tuesday morning, but we're right on the edge of another ice storm that is coming through the area. They're saying that travel's gonna be really tricky again. Um, Yeah, it's just been a brutal couple days and like we've been seeing the region getting tested by it. Well, 
you know, I've been noticing a lot on people on TikTok complaining about just PGE in general. Just uh, they have this idea that other, you know, states in the country don't experience as many blackouts as we do. And I Google that and that's not true. But, you know, they just they're I mean, I think everyone's just like PGE is the worst, you know, and I think a lot of the finger pointing is the infrastructure. They think that the infrastructure in this area is really uh, outdated. And so it's causing, you know, a lot of just obstructions that happen, you know, which is what we're seeing. And John, I don't know. If, I think, you know, we were talking about this, but last year, St. John's was constantly losing power. And it was like nobody else, nobody else in the city. It was just St. John's. <laughs> there, was like a, there was like a two month period where we were losing power every couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you stated something and I didn't notice this. You said that PGE came out and started fixing pulls. Is that like, I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, at least in my neighborhood last spring or summer, they came through and replaced all the electrical poles. Right. So they dug out the ones that were there and then just sort of strung new power lines, at least down my block through the city. And since that happened, like I have not lost power once. And I'm guessing this is just a sort of infrastructure development that needs to happen over time. Right. There's however many, can't even imagine, thousands of miles of electrical transmission lines and that over time, those need to be replaced. Yeah, there's also the the call for them to bury the lines because we live in a very uh, tree-filled area and these trees are going to keep falling. <laughs> yeah. You know, every time we hit a major storm like this, I feel like people are worried about the roads. People are obviously worried about losing power and warming stations. But it does feel like trees have been the story over the last couple mm -hmm. days. Like Hundreds of trees have been reported down all over the state. Um, PGE reported that they had more than 800 power lines that were brought down by trees or tree limbs. Um, numerous road closures. There was even a couple people that were killed by trees falling. What? Yeah, one person in an RV oh, no. park, a tree fell. And then another person in Lake Oswego was killed when a tree fell on their home. You know, I was talking to somebody who's uh, really into biodiversity and planting and just knows a lot about trees and all that stuff around the area. And I was confused because when, I don't know if you've seen these down trees, John, but the, the roots are really short. And I'm really confused by that because I'm like, how so tall? Why so short? Like you would think <laughs> that the taller they are, the deeper the roots go. And he's just like, no, actually the types of trees we have, they're meant to be around other trees and they strengthen each other's roots by interconnecting. But since we have so many lone wolves, they're the ones that fall. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So a tree could be standing for like 50 years, but it still has this really shallow root structure. And then the yes. storm comes through and it goes, plomp. The Doug furs. Ugh. Yeah. Well, something that the Oregonian pointed out also that I thought was interesting was this question of like conservation codes and dangerous trees. Claudia, have you seen this conversation at all? Mm -mm. So what they were saying in this story is that some people are questioning whether you know, conservation rules are preventing people from cutting down dangerous trees, right? There's like an anecdote of somebody who had a tree in their neighborhood and they were like, yo, this tree feels kind of sketchy, but they were denied the right to cut it. Um, and there's sort of this question of like, if there are these codes that are preventing people from taking these preliminary steps to be able to cut down branches that otherwise like could be threatening, like if there are regulations standing in the way of doing it, um, 
Yeah, that really sucks. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, there are you can't cut uh, X amount of trees on your uh, property. You have to leave X amount. Uh, there's just a lot, especially if they're a certain uh, size. You need a permit to get it cut, and at that mm-hmm. point, that's when the city weighs in if you can or cannot. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I had to cut a few trees. Um, when I first moved into my house because one of them was split in half from the previous ice storm. And it was this <laughs> huge uh, eucalyptus. And I was so bummed because I love eucalyptus trees. I like moved in and I got that tree cut. And like I was like the, the hero of the neighborhood. Everyone's like, yay, you did it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know that was it. They're like, we were so afraid of that tree. <laughs> Like as soon as you move in, they don't want to be knocking on your door like, hey, I'm Judy next door. Uh, Can you cut down that giant branch that is like hanging ominously over my living room? Not even a branch. Can you cut (laughs) half of that tree that is leaning towards my property? It was awful. And it's, you know, I bought a rental, basically. It used to be a rental. So like nobody cared. Like everyone was just like, whatever. And so I had to like come in and be like, well, there's just a lot of half frozen trees on this property that probably need to go. You know, I do want to say something, John. I feel like anyone who's lost their power, they should really uh, think about hitting up PGE. There's a claim you can do for lost food. And Mm. a lot of people don't do this. But if you Google PGE and claims, um, it'll it'll take you to Portland General Claims Center. And at that point, you can essentially ask for money for like stuff that has been ruined in your house because of this. Usually it's like uh, food and whatnot, but check it out. Um, you, I, I know last time, John, I think I told you this last time that we lost power that one month where I, every other day we were losing power in St. John's, mm-hmm. um, they replaced all of my food, which was awesome. That's a good tip. Yeah. I mean, aside from like having PGE pay for your food and stuff, if you've lost power, call 211. 211 is the city's like helpline and they will tell you exactly like where the closest warming shelter is uh, near your neighborhood. And and if you for some reason can't get there because of the roads are terrible, whatever, what have you, they will find you a ride. But yeah, you shouldn't just hang out in your house without power. That's not a good move unless you have a source of heat, like a fireplace or something. Yeah. And another thing that they're saying is like, don't start a fire in your house if you don't have a fireplace, <laughs> yeah, which I feel yeah. like we shouldn't have to say. There was a headline. There was a headline of somebody who was taken to the hospital with like carbon monoxide poisoning because they were trying to run a generator, a gas generator <gasps> inside of their house in Portland. Don't do that, don't guys. Don't do that. Don't do don't that. Don't do that. It's not good. Don't. There's warming shelters. Don't do that. And Multnomah County, like the warming shelters were pumping over the last couple yeah. of days. And you could bring your animals. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't, yeah, yeah, bring your animals, go hang out. Like I think there's hot chocolate. I would go just for the hot chocolate. You know, mm-hmm. don't stick around in your house. Don't brave it. It's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. Good tips. Thanks, Claudio. Yeah, of course. Well, I do feel like we could spend all day talking about the weather we've seen, but I do want to talk a little bit more about the headlines this week. First, let's take a quick break. Claudia, what story caught your eye this week? 
So I wanted to share a story that came out last week written by Nigel Jaquis. He's a reporter at Willamette Week. Uh, he wrote an investigative piece on a Portland firefighter that is currently fighting to keep his job after being let go by the city for some really disturbing behavior. And I was like, well, how disturbing. It was really disturbing, John. Yeah, this story is crazy. <laughs> yeah. The firefighter in question is Peter St. John. And aside from the scandalous details, what drew me to the story was his fall from grace. It's like if I saw this written in a movie, I would be like, this is a little heavy handed. Um, it also points to clannish behavior at the Portland Fire Department that feels reminiscent to what we've heard about the police department, where workers are allowed to at times act terribly or illegally in some cases and are still protected by their union. And I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, I'm just so naive. I'm just like, the, the fire department? No, mm -hmm. you know. Um, okay, so. Do you remember way back in 2016 when there was like an excavation contractor that accidentally hit a natural gas line? Yes, yes, I remember that. It was yeah. crazy. It was it was like a Michael Bay movie. There was this giant <laughs> explosion in in Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 3 to be exact. So there oh were three God. huge fire blasts and a three-story building and some surrounding businesses were obliterated. And thankfully, nobody died. And a big reason for that was because of Peter St. John, this firefighter. Uh, then Fire Chief Mike Myers was quoted as saying, this man single-handedly saved the lives of lots of citizens today and a lot of firefighters. And not only was Peter one of the very last firefighters in that area notifying and evacuating folks, he got caught in the first blast and was thrown 20 feet in the air and broke both his legs. So if you Google his name, you're not going to really see this article. You're going to see a bunch of pics of him smiling from his hospital bed, decorated as a hero, because he represented the very best, you know, of Portland Fire and Rescue. Until, sorry, that's what our, my, one of my favorite TikTok people say once dun, the dun, story dun. turns. Until. <laughs> so all this changed starting in September 2020 when the Fire Bureau began investigating Peter because of some inappropriate messages he was sending to uh, a subordinate female firefighter because he's like a manager of sorts. And he was also sending messages to a female dispatcher at the Bureau of Emergency Communications, or BOIC. Now, both women complained to their superiors uh, because they were really freaked out. Like the female firefighter noted that she found the text increasingly bizarre, which is like, <laughs> wow, you know? And the BOIC dispatcher said that his messages made her fear for her safety and that of her family. So... One can only imagine how fucked up these were, but they're redacted from public record because I went looking. Mm -hmm. So this investigation, of course, raised alarms at home for Peter because like, it's not like he could hide this from his wife. Right. And on September of 2020, his wife ended up calling the fire station and unloaded to one of his superiors. So she said that during her own personal investigation of her husband, she found messages dating back to 2014 that he sent to an unknown woman where he exchanged photos of their young children, along with creepy, suggestive comments. For example, the woman commented on how cute one of his kids was and how she wouldn't mind sleeping with the child. And Peter St. John just rolled with it and continued contact. His defense is, I just wanted to sleep with her. I didn't really mean it. So when the fire bureau was made aware of this 
horrendous correspondence. They kicked it up all the way to the Oregon Department of Human Services. Peter was immediately placed on leave. The Westland Police, which is where he and his wife lived at the time, also opened up an investigation to make sure the kids were okay. And that's when his wife admitted to dealing with domestic violence. And uh, supposedly before going to Peter's superiors, this is another reason why it was just like, what's happening at the fire department? His wife tried talking to his half-brother, Bill Goforth, about all of this because he's a deputy chief at the Portland Fire and Rescue. And he was like basically told her to keep her mouth shut because it would ruin Peter and their kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And this is where I'll get sticky because under Oregon law, all firefighters are mandatory reporters. That means if they suspect child abuse, they have to report their suspicions to authorities immediately. And Bill Goforth never did this. Peter St. John's never did this. And it was also found that Peter's fire chief tried to hide some evidence of Peter mm. admitting to what happened, uh, hindering the investigation. But ultimately, the Westland police didn't find anything. They couldn't find any evidence that Peter St. John actually met up with a woman or that any of the children were harmed. So Clackamas County decided not to prosecute. But the fire bureau, like our city was like, no, but you're fired. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Like, but this mm -hmm. isn't like, we're not going to now. Ew. Um, <laughs> and, and Nigel Jake was uncovered that the union has been fighting since then to get him reinstated. Their story is that his wife was the one who sent the offensive texts and messages to his female colleagues. He super just, what? No, he didn't know any of that. And for the weird conversation, hey, man, that happened off duty. So pff, let, the, let a man live. Uh, they found his termination without just cause and unreasonable. Can you believe this shit? <laughs> <Sorry>. it's, <laughs> I mean, it's just a crazy story about like public sector unions and like the power that they have and like you know we went through so much of this with the portland police bureau and like all of the power that that union has and the way that they were able to protect their rank and file employees i mean i am about as pro-union as you can be except when it comes to like issues of misconduct and i just don't understand why we allow these unions to sort of stick their finger into these misconduct investigations. It seems like that is the opposite of what we want a union to do. Yeah. And I also just can't imagine that anyone in the fire department is like, oh, bring Peter St. John over to the freaking picnic. My kids are there and my yeah. wives. Let's all hang yeah. out together. You know, yeah. like, why would you want that guy among your ranks? Yeah. You yeah. know, and the only thing I think of is like, because at one point I know I just said all this stuff. So you're just like, we, how did we start this? We started with him being a hero. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think there's a, that bit since he did put his life on the line, he did do his job really well. He helped save a lot of people. I think mm -hmm. there's this, this, well, we owe him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also think it's just interesting to think about the stature of the fire department as opposed to the police department in Portland, right? Like, I don't need to spell out how lots of people are displeased with the police. But I mean, Nigel points out in his uh, article that like people really kind of love the, the fire department, oh God, you know, we love the, the, the fire department, we love the fire department. We're like, why can't you just be more like the fire department? And then you see that like, oh, no, like the fire department's union is doing similar things and protecting them from being held accountable for their actions is just like, ugh, really disappointing. Yeah. Or you hear about Portland Street response and how hard it was for them to gel into the fire department because it's very bro-y. The culture yeah. is a little different. It's a little more conservative. And 
I mean, I don't care if you're conservative or bro as long as you're doing a really awesome job and you're, you know, I'm still just like fire department, you know. Yeah. But if you're out there alienating your coworkers, you know, mm-hmm. like that's what you were hearing from Portland Street Response. That really like that. That was the first bit where I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I thought. Yeah. Just a little oh, naive, why, but it's like, oh, why, no, not my fire department. <laughs> why, why can't you be the perfect fire department of my imagination? Exactly. I have absolutely no reason to believe in, but I've decided to be true. So, anyhow, that's, that was my story. <laughs> do, you, do you know what happens from here? I mean, I'm guessing that, like, the union and the city are just sort of going back and forth over this guy and whether he gets to keep his job. The city has been explicit that under no circumstances is this man coming back. They're standing on business, two feet on the ground. <laughs> They're just like, no, sir. Um, and I kind of like, give it up for the city. Like, it was, it's the fire bureau. And they're just like, whatever. You know, I think that they tried to speak to Commissioner Gonzalez about it. But he kind of like slithered out. And he was just like, hey, this is a personal. Um, basically, he's like, I don't know, man. That's between yeah. y'all. Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just was like, nope, nope, nope. Don't take my picture near that. You know? <laughs> um, but he he basically gave no stance, and that immediately was like, oh, you should maybe set something, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Well, thanks for the update, Claudia. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your your perfect picture of the fire department has been tarnished. But I know you need a new city bureau to idolize. What's it going to be? Who's going to be your wreck? New... Let's Parks go, and rec. boy. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I still love firefighters. Are you kidding me? Well, Claudia, before we wrap for the day, um, we've heard from a lot of listeners and readers over the last week or so. And uh, we brought some comments. We're going to do a little bit of mailbag. Oh, I love it. Who'd you hear from? Okay. Sharon wrote in, question for you. Has anyone heard of a rise in attacks of barred owls in our city streets? Um, (laughs) (laughs) tell me more. (laughs) Last Friday, I was attacked in the back of the head on 58th and Burnside. Ouch. The owl came in for a couple of more swoops after getting me the first time. It was unexpected and frightening. Today, a friend told me she was attacked by an owl on Northeast 14th and Clickitat while biking home after work. A quick search on owl attacks in Portland brings up a number of recent encounters in Reddit discussions. Has it always been this way or is there a recent rise in owl encounters? I have absolutely no idea. And I am certain that there's somebody listening who like totally knows the answer to this question. Please tell us what's happening. You know what I mean? There's somebody who's like, actually, da 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 da. Here's the stats on owl attacks. Two things that came when I immediately one was like, oh, I wonder if it's like nesting period or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like mm. they're protecting because this crows do this, they protect their eggs they protect their young wondering about that the other is you probably wouldn't know this john because uh you seem like a level-headed person who isn't into true crime but there is a documentary that was called a staircase about how a woman um might have been killed by her husband but her husband's defense is that she was attacked by an owl Hmm. and fell down the stairs because she was attacked by an owl i when I saw it, I was just like, could they? <laughs> you know, just like, oh, no. Oh, um, but yeah, I I hope that it isn't a thing. I don't want this to be a thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really? If you're out there and you know the answer, let us know. Portland at citycast.fm. I am so curious about this now. Um, well, I wanted to bring up a comment we got from Linda, who wrote in about our recent um, episode on non-alcoholic cocktails, you know, talking about the sort of zero proof scene in Portland. 
Uh, and she says, quote, I've been sober for many years and having it normalized is needed. I miss the taste of drinks, but not the mess that they made me. I tried some N.A. gin in Belgium a few years ago, and it was pretty much cucumber water. I'll try again with a few of the recommendations made. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Linda. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff out there. Something that we didn't get to in that episode, Claudia, that I wanted to shout out was this company for Bitter or Worse, hmm. which is like a new Portland company that's sort of doing like non-alcoholic aperitivo type things. They've got this one called Eva's Spritz, which is sort of like an N.A. Aperol Spritz. And it's like super good. Yeah, I've been keeping an eye out on these N.A. can cocktails and they're like Negronis and stuff like that. I wonder if it's the same company or not. Um, mm -hmm. But I also wanted to shout out that um, the wine shop I frequent has some really good N.A. wine. Oh, nice. Which I thought would just be grape juice, but it's not. It's drier and a bit more complex. There's more complexity to it, which I thought was like, I'm like, how are they doing this? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you're not like, well, just like the real thing, but it's not disgusting. And you're mm -hmm. and you kind of forget about it. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, this is doesn't have any alcohol. Pretty cool. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I've had some killer N.A. wine at uh, OK Omens as well. Oh. It was like almost like a champagne. It was super, super good. Nice. Well, uh, Hannah wrote in. I have been a diehard CityCast fan since I moved to Portland in July of 2023. Oh, And as a recent transplant to the city, it is so helpful to hear your tips and tricks to not only surviving, but thriving here. She put thriving in capitals, which is sweet. Mm -hmm. I've gotten so many helpful recommendations on local events, new bars, hiking trails, etc. that have gotten me out of the apartment and helped me feel connected to my new home. This feels like our marketing person wrote it. <laughs> now I have a suggestion for an episode that would help fellow transplants like me. How do you make friends in Portland? <laughs> you could also explore a guide to dating in Portland. And here's the deal. This isn't the first person who's wrote in asking about friends. And it made me wonder, like, is it really hard to make friends in Portland? Has it been difficult? Uh, I mean, I remember when I first moved here, I had a bunch of like friends I knew from where I lived before that sort of helped me meet people and like get introduced to people. And like, yeah, if I was just coming in sight and seen and didn't already have a bit of a network, I imagine it would have been really difficult to like sort of figure that out and make friends too. Um, I, you know, I don't have a good answer off the top of my head. Do you? I might actually have a pretty good answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. One um, you should definitely check out our episode that we just released on Monday. It's about dancing. But um, mm -hmm. Julia, who was our guest and our producer, goes in on a few places that you can just go by yourself and actually find people to dance with. And, and it's a thing that is done. But I also just wanted to say Portland is a town of hobbyists. We're introverts. That's a good point. We like to yeah. do things. Um, either we like to read or like we like trivia or we like karaoke. We like rowboating. There's like literally rowboating <laughs> The clubs. Portland rowboating scene. Oh I'm my God. not joking. It's a whole thing. <laughs> there, I'm just saying, think of the thing you like to do and then just Google and see if Portland has a club. Because oh I gosh, swear to so God, smart. there is a club for it. Um, so yeah, as for dating, like, you know, I mean, I don't know, man, that just sounds like maybe we should yeah. have a, a someone come on and tell us because I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a really good point, though. In other cities, you might like find your friends and then find a hobby. In Portland's kind of the opposite. It's like have a hobby, get like into your hobby and like inevitably through doing that thing that you love, you'll find like minded people and those people will be your friends. Yeah. And or dates. Who knows? 
Mm-hmm. And or dates. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? I mean, a <laughs> rowboat is just two people out there in the water. It's pretty romantic. <laughs> I love that this is what you think it is. <laughs> you know, like the Little Mermaid? That's totally a rowboat. That's, yeah. Just two people, one of them possibly playing the guitar, asking you to kiss the girl. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Well, Claudia, I did want to point out um, a little correction that we got as well on our episode from Earthquake Preparedness. Um, Both Litzy and Anne wrote in separately, and they said that our guest's advice about protecting yourself, crouching next to exterior walls, or like a triangular-shaped support has been debunked by safety experts, with Litzy adding, standing under a doorframe is also no longer recommended, no matter where you live, as this is not a load-bearing location. Um, I'm trying to remember, didn't, didn't we say that, like, that these things were in flux? Like, wasn't there a whole, a whole point yeah, that, yeah. like, that, like, we had had this knowledge and then we recognized that that was dumb, but, uh, I don't know what that leaves you. <laughs> just, <laughs> you can't do walls Just or drop doorways. and cover. I feel like that's uh, what everyone just says. Just drop yeah. to the floor and cover your head. And I just... Yeah. To me, I'm still going to, I'm sorry, I'm still going to look for something that supports the weight of the things falling on my head. I'm not going to just be like, and now I'm going to just put my little hands on the back of my head and hopefully that is going to protect it from everything. Yeah. All right. Well, Claudia, thanks for rounding up the midweek news with me. Yeah, let's do it again next week. Well, that's all for us today here on CityCast Portland, but thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend about it or leave us a rating or a review? We'll be back tomorrow morning with much more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. Slim's.